Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. Howdy, 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 y'all, and welcome to another night of motorsports conversation, two hours worth here on the Performance Motorsports Network, and I don't know. I say all the time you're in for a show, but I feel like after everything that's gone on over Labor Day weekend, you're really in for a show because we're all pretty fired up. So without further ado, this is Motorsports Madness. I'm Jacob Seelman, managing editor at RacechaserOnline.com, where we give you your motorsports your way. Check us out on the web, www.RacechaserOnline.com. Find us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at RacechaserNews. All that good stuff. Seated comfortably inside the Race City USA PMN studios here in Mooresville, North Carolina at the round table with me is the very impressionable and, well, sometimes hilarious Tom Baker, our commander-in-chief, boss man, coach. What You know, I, I can come up with words all day, you know, you, or you can talk, something like that. We'll have to wait for you to stop talking first. <laughs> it's good to be back on the Madness Show for another Monday night. And yes, quite a lot of action over the weekend. No matter where you were watching racing or uh, where you were paying attention, what division, what uh, circuit, what part of the country, always uh, Labor Day weekend's always a really cool weekend. And this weekend, because of some newly added races to the Labor Day weekend schedule, was even cooler. Indeed it was, and obviously we'll talk about all of that over the next two hours here on PMN. Rents Brown and Cisco Scaramuza join us via the Race Chaser Skype line, and Rentser, I like Labor Day weekend. You know why I like Labor Day weekend? Throwbacks. And you know what Sunday night's Bojangles Southern 500 was? It was a throwback because it was not a war of attrition like Darlington Raceway is so known for. No, no, no. It was a war of tires. And Darlington's known for that more than anything else. We saw drivers pit after the first 17 laps, after the first caution with Trevor Bain. Everyone knew that tires were going to be essential, and they all took advantage of it. You look at the fact that we saw, you know, Denny Hamlin miss his pit stop, or miss pit road, come back around, somehow run down Martin Truex Jr., and less than about 30 laps, which at Darlington goes by in a hurry, we had no cautions in the last, what, Jacob, maybe 90 laps of that race? 102 so, laps, to be exact. So, 102. So, yeah, and that's just incredible for something like Darlington. You're thinking that there's going to be a caution that comes out, but Darlington played out like classic Darlington. It just came down to whether the tires would hold up at the end, and when you get down to the nitty-gritty at the end of the race, it turned out that Martin Truex Jr.'s tires were just on there two laps too long, and that's what really gave Denny Hamlin that win, even though Hamlin was the fastest car towards the end of that race, and he had to fight a lot of good cars, Jacob. Kurt Busch was up there in the contention for, I, that's the first time I've seen Kurt Busch up there contending for a win since, in my, I think, since the Daytona, the Daytona 500. I haven't seen him since that. Kevin Harvick was strong early on. Kyle Larson looked like he was going to be a guy to contend with. Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano fell off late, so... It's something about Darlington, Jacob, where Denny Hamlin just takes to it like a duck on water. It just it, it suits him so well, and the track just seems to really come to him, especially in the weaning moments when he needs to go the most. Exactly. And, Cisco, you talk about the way this played out, and Rent said it. Martin Truex Jr. was easily on pace to win his second consecutive Southern 500 at Darlington, and 
Pops a tire coming to two laps to go, manages to limp it around on the inner liner, still finishes eighth, but more importantly than all of that, he won the first two stages. So before we had even gotten to halfway, or actually I guess it would have been just past halfway in that 367-lap race on Sunday night, Martin Truex Jr. got a prize that I would argue is a whole lot bigger than just another race victory this season. He clinched, by virtue of those two stage wins, the regular season championship for the Cup Series, with it, the 15 additional playoff points that the regular season champion wins by the rule book. He is now up to 17 stage wins, four race wins, and a grand total of a whopping 52 playoff points. For those playing the play-at-home game, or win-at-home game, I guess is what the Price is Right coined, that's almost an entire race. He has a full mulligan, and we haven't even started racing yet. And I mean, I was kind of critical of you, you know, about a month ago, because you were going to say, you were saying this was the summer of Toyota, and well, I bought into it now. It really wasn't the summer of Toyota as much as it was the summer of Martin Truex Jr., and I mean, this has also really been the whole year of Martin Truex Jr., just how good that team has been this whole year. I mean, you look at the playoff standings right now. Truex up at the top, then as they sit right now, Kyle Larson and Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy hasn't done anything in the last two months, at least, that I can think of. And Larson, while he's been running up front and lately kind of been up there to challenge the Toyotas, at the end of the day, it's still Martin Truex Jr., Martin Truex Jr., Martin Truex Jr. Exactly. And this is where it gets fun, Tom, because now it's interesting that Denny Hamlin sweeps both races at Darlington, isn't Because we're going to Denny's favorite racetrack, arguably, his home racetrack. And at the end of the day, I could see this turning in such a way that Denny Hamlin might not leave Richmond with a whole huge shot of momentum. If he can do what he did a couple years ago, win the regular season finale, oh boy. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I I talked this morning with Bob Steele about this on uh, our talk and racing segment on his show. I think that this is a really interesting confidence boost for Denny Hamlin. And I know that winning an Xfinity race has nothing to do with winning a cup race, but it kind of does because if you're Denny Hamlin, you've had a couple of years where you were so close to the championship that you could taste it. But then you've had a number of years where you just really weren't close at all. I think this has got to be a situation where, you really feel like you're going into this playoff run with some momentum. And oh, by the way, he's not that bad at Richmond, Denny Hamlin. That's what I just said. Yeah, I, I just think at this point, you got to be looking at Denny as one of these guys who, if he can just even come out of Richmond with a solid top five or even top seven or eight run, you go into it, into the playoffs with a, a real boost. And I. I think that's important. Now, the guy I'm watching, though, is Clint Boyer at Richmond. And we can, I guess, get to some of our thoughts on the bubble guys later. But Richmond seems like the perfect scenario for Clint to uh, bust one out and sneak into the playoffs at the last minute under the wire. 
well, there's a whole lot of people that need to sneak in under the wire because rents, we go into this in a very unique scenario, one that we've not had since the advent of these win-and-you're-in playoffs. The top 16 on the playoff grid, if they do what they need to do, are set. The only caveat is if somebody below the cutoff line wins, there is nobody for the first time in this playoff format that can point their way in. If you don't win, you go home and you come back in February at Daytona. Mm -hmm. Not literally, but you get the idea. Well, the biggest thing, too, when I look at these points is the fact that for the first time ever, we have 13 different winners, excluding Joey Logano's encumbered win, which came at Richmond Raceway back in April. Oh, yeah, there's him, too, by the way. Yeah, which Joey Logano and Todd Gordon was on the morning drive on Sirius XM radio this morning, and they are not as keen on the success of Richmond Raceway in the fall. For some reason, that 22 never seems to get hooked up like Brad's does. So it should be interesting. Keep in mind the fact the last, I want to say, five Richmond races in the fall have either gone Brad Keselowski or Joe Gibbs Racing. And if you want to look at a Joe Gibbs Racing driver that got hot, I look at Matt Kenseth in 2015, when in, for all intents and purposes, he probably could have won the title with how fast he was. But looking at what we have right now, the three guys that are in are Chase Elliott, Matt Kenseth, and Jamie McMurray. 94, 92, and 91 points to the good. Clint Boyer didn't even get past lap 30 in the Southern 500. He had a valve problem that took him out. He's 91 points back with Eric Jones and Joey Logano 123, 129 points back. Tom, if the guy that we're saying is going to be the guy to get in, it's not Joey Logano. Give my eggs in the basket to Clint Boyer. Keep in mind a few years ago, Boyer stretched his fuel mileage almost 60 laps or further to win that race. I think that Mike Bogorovich and that team will try the same strategy to win the race or do something different on strategy. Keep in mind, this is the same crew chief that brought Tony Stewart to victory lane last year on different strategy. What are your thoughts, bud? Well, I see, I agree. That's why I mentioned Clint's name. I think that ultimately this is going to be a situation where if you're looking for bubble guys, I don't necessarily, again, I'm talking about guys who could win to get in. I'm not necessarily talking about who's just going to wind up with the most points. I think Clint is a bit advantaged here at Richmond, and I don't I don't see Jamie McMurray doing it. Jacob, I don't see Joey Logano doing it. If, if anybody's going to win from the bubble position that's in that group, Now, we could have somebody entirely outside the group, but if somebody in that bubble group is going to do it, I think it's Clint Boyer. Well, keep in mind, McMurray's already in. He doesn't necessarily have to win to secure his spot. Yeah, he's locked in. You're right. Well, remember, Tom, here, remember, I made the point a minute ago. There is nobody that can point their way in. Everybody below the cut line has to win. There right. is nobody within range. Right. So yeah, That's true. I, I, I just wanted that. to make your, yeah. your, your no, point you're right. here where that everybody has to win. It's not just somebody can have a good day. Everybody has to win. Yeah. Eric Jones, uh, Clint Boyer, Daniel Suarez. You know, And the only two people I think have a realistic shot at it because they have the speed and they might have the strategy are Boyer and Eric Jones. That's it. Yeah, and I I have more faith in Boyer at Richmond than I do Jones at this point, to be honest. Um, 
you know, I think obviously if you want to just talk about potential new winners, then you can throw Chase Elliott in there. But I, I don't, I don't think that Eric Jones wins at Richmond. I'm only basing Clint Boyer winning at Richmond on the fact that he's really, really good at that track historically. And, you know, that 14 team with uh, Mike Bogorovich as the crew chief, as you guys have said, they're not afraid to do some different things. And I think you're going to see a ton of different pit stop strategies and approaches to this race on Saturday night. And I think you're going to see some teams doing things that you kind of look and go, huh? But that's what it takes to uh, pull it out when you're trying to win your way into the playoffs in the last day. Well, that's exactly right. 11th hour scenarios make teams do funny things. And here's what we're going to do. We're not going to do a funny thing. We're going to do a planned break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Denny Hamlin and his weekend sweep. And then we'll get to that little thing that happened north of the border. Yeah, that's had a few people fired up today. And we'll talk about it when we come back. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace 
Casey in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Party time. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seaman alongside Tom Baker, Rents Brown, and Cisco Scaramuza. I, I, I don't even know where you go with the truck race, so I'm not going to start there as a matter of fact, Rents. What I'm going to do is go back and talk about not necessarily the fact that Denny Hamlin swept a weekend, but more that... I loved the quote that Denny gave me after the race on Sunday night in regards to what this weekend meant. For him running the Ray Hendrick modified tribute scheme, I loved what he said. He said, this is me giving back to all the short track heroes that I watched and I admired growing up. And that said something to me. For Denny, this was about honoring his roots and helping people to realize that he's never forgotten where he came from. And I loved that about this weekend. I loved the tribute scheme. I loved that Rick Hendrick was one of the first people to congratulate him in victory lane. For those that didn't hear the story from Denny, Rick's first job was working on the Ray Hendrick modified team. I mean, this was just all around cool as far as I'm concerned. It was a great day, and it was a win for short track racers across the country as far as I'm concerned. Well, to represent Mr. Modified and, you know, the 700-plus wins that number 11 has, first and foremost, is huge. And for Denny Hamlin, you hit the nail right on the head, and what he said was perfectly correct. It was the fact that Denny Hamlin's a short-track racer that came from Virginia with not much. I mean, he's not one of these guys that had this opportunity really given to him from such an early age. He took it for as long as he could and just got lucky with someone from Joe Gibbs Racing overhearing a conversation at the local track that how he would love to race a NASCAR. And that's something that really took him a long way. And you can tell that Denny Hamlin is a guy, while at times he might be feisty and at times he might not have a you know the greatest attitude on a bad day, he at the same time is a guy that loves and cherishes the sport and will do anything to preserve it. That's a man that has so much love for this. And the fact that he decided and he thought that about Ray Hendrick and wanted to do something very special is I don't think anyone thought that paint scheme was going to run, to be honest with you. We all thought maybe a old FedEx Jason Leffler car or something like that, a different number 11, but to pay tribute to the guys that maybe have been forgotten in NASCAR past. I mean, a lot of the modified guys, Tom, and a lot of, you know, the local short track guys don't get the recognition that they really do deserve. I mean, maybe Richie Evans and maybe, you know, Maybe the Baldwins, but outside of that, you don't really get that same love anymore for the guys that really built the sport on short track racing around the country. You're exactly right. I mean, it's unbelievable. I was just stunned, actually, to see that there were a couple of different drivers who chose to throw back to a modified you know, people forget that the the modifieds are NASCAR's original division. The modified started NASCAR. So Ray Hendrick was one of the best all time. And that particular paint scheme was kind of like the orange 61 of Richie Evans. It was just iconic. I mean, everybody knew that car, even if you weren't a big modified fan, you knew it was Richie Evans, just like you knew the flying aces, the flying, flying 11 was, was Ray Hendrick. 
so I think that honestly, to have that car win at Darlington and, and a number of people go, wait, who who is that again? Who is the car guy? That's going to introduce a lot of people to a part of NASCAR's history that I don't think gets nearly enough respect. And so I agree with you totally in everything you just said. All right. So now let's transition a little bit because this weekend was about throwbacks and there was a lot of fun to be had. I want to talk about the last lap, Cisco, on Saturday, because for me, that was just one of those moments in Denny's quote in victory lane, a throwback to Dale Earnhardt. We had throwback racing on Sunday. We had throwback racing on Saturday. The crossover that Denny pulled after Joey tried the old slide job on asphalt trick in turns three and four, that was about as classic a move I've seen at Darlington in the last three decades. They talked about it on the broadcast that, you know, that sort of move only comes with a lot of experience. And, you know, we talk about the youth movement in NASCAR and all these, you know, the young guys hopping in the series and stuff. But to have the Darlington throwback race from an Xfinity standpoint, you have two guys who have run in that series for, you know, going on at least 10 years between Logano and Hamlin. You know, those guys have been in that series for a long time now. They're a staple mark. You know, Hamlin started out back with JGR, as did Logano. And both those guys went at it. And, I mean, it was a veteran move. It was an amazing crossover. And the fact they made it work at Darlington, you know, it was shades of 2003. It was shades of the 90s, 80s, go back. There's plenty of things that that reminded me of. And it was just a fantastic race, Jacob. But... It's Darlington. Experience is always the biggest the biggest factor when it comes to Darlington rents. Well, the biggest thing, too, is the fact that Denny Hamlin even said that he set Joey Logano up for that move because Denny Hamlin was the guy that made that move early in the race on Joey Logano. And race car drivers, being quick learners, saw that that doesn't really happen, or maybe I can make this stick. So in the last lap, Joey Logano said, Cisco, that he went into the corner and his spotter cleared him way too early, and he knew it. And he would have to either hit the wall and have the rotation to get off the corner, or he was going to lose the momentum. Hamlin let him go by because he knew, okay, he's going to slide up the racetrack. I can just diamond underneath, Jacob, and take that position back, go to victory lane, and for the second time in his career, sweep a NASCAR weekend in the top two series. Yes, and both of them are at Darlington. Oh, by the way, it's not hard to see what Denny's best track on the circuit between both divisions is, is it now, Tom? He's got seven wins between the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series at Darlington Raceway. This track lends itself to a select few when it comes to getting around there very successfully. I asked Denny Sunday night, and he really... It was hard to put into words what it takes to be good at Darlington because there's so many different factors. There's a reason they call it the track too tough to tame. It legitimately is and has been since 1950 one of the toughest tracks on the schedule. Don't tell that to David Pearson. Uh, yeah, Denny actually is probably the modern-day version of David when it comes to Darlington. I, you know what? It's... It's hard to explain why a driver just adapts to a certain track the way that he does. You know, you have drivers that, for example, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson in Martinsville, you have drivers who are really good at, you know, some of the intermediate track stuff. And then you have a driver like Denny Hamlin, who just happens to pick up on Darlington real well and run it real well. And 
it is a, a challenging racetrack. But again, I just think certain drivers hit on something and they develop that feel for that particular track. And of course, then the drivers that become the champions are able to go to all the different types of tracks and perform well. But it is surprising. I mean, of all the drivers that you would think of from the last, say, 25, 30 years that you would pick out of a hat to be the dominant driver at Darlington, you just wouldn't think about Denny Hamlin. He kind of just goes about his business quietly. He doesn't ever make too much noise, um, you know, except after a basketball game occasionally. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as far as, you know, as far as on the racetrack, again, he's won his share, but we hardly noticed. Somebody said to me this morning, it's amazing Jimmy Johnson's only won one race this year. I said, no, he's won three. But you would never know it because it's just been so quiet. And that's kind of how Denny's always been. You know, he just wins and goes to the next race. There's never a lot of flash there. No, that's exactly I'm not correct. saying that's bad. I'm just commenting that that's why we're so surprised that he would be the one out of the lot to uh, pick up on Darlington. Yes. Now, on the flip side of that coin, there was a certain thing that happened over the weekend that came with a whole lot of flash and a whole lot of ire. And with all due respect, I'm not going to dig into it right now because if I do, we'll be another 10 minutes talking about it and we'll never get to a break. So here's what (laughs) we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and take that break. And when we come back, we're going to talk, oh, Canada, and that little skirmish in turn five. Is it, I guess it's not fair to call it little, Tom, is it? No, it was anything except little, and actually the driver who caused the skirmish is anything but little either. He, we really look up to him. This is fair. <laughs> Canadian six, Tire six, Motorsport six Park and the 250. When we come back, you're listening to Motorsports Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America, featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits. HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing, 
making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina, and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio set ya. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'll come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke located on Route 1 or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker, Rents Brown, and Cisco Scaramuza around the round table as we talk racing for about two hours worth, and... We decided to, you know, hold off at the last break and not get into this because I knew when we got into this it was going to take a little while. So, Tom, I'll just let you go ahead and have the first shot here, no pun intended. It was, as Kaz Grala put it, the dump and run seen around the country. Well, this was... So surprising to me, not that somebody bumped somebody out of the way to win a NASCAR race. That's been done many times before. However, I've known Austin Sindrick since he was a young kid racing in the Bandos and the Legends cars. And I just never thought that he would have that in him. And it was one thing even for him to just, blatantly not even try to pass Kaz Grala clean and just bump him out of the way and go win the race. But the victory lane interview was what really amazed me. I've always known Austin to be a very polite kid, a very mature kid, a very uh, down-to-earth kid, and this was not that. The victory lane interview, it was so out of character for Austin that I I made the comparison in my mind at the time that if this were the WWE, I would swear that he was told to turn heel. 
This is what happens in, in wrestling when, you know, you want a good guy to be a bad guy. The good guy goes out and does something bad to another good guy and the crowd goes, <gasps> and then, you know, you've got the good guy turning heel for a while and then eventually they make it back into a good guy and whatever. And this is really, it was so shocking to me that Austin, of all people, did this. That that's what I thought about. It was almost as if somebody had told him, turn heel. And I thought, well, surely by the next day, he'll see the error in his ways and he'll apologize. Nope. This was great for NASCAR because this is what NASCAR has been missing. A true villain, somebody to actually hate. You know, besides Joey Logano, because he's young and everybody says spoiled rich kid. Now you've got somebody who actually gave you a reason to hate him because he just blatantly took Kaz Grahl out of that, didn't even try to race him. And I was amazed by the reaction of his fellow competitors, Rents Brown, because on Twitter, Austin just got roasted. And it's one thing for those of us watching and observing and commenting about the races to make statements. It's another thing when your competitors your peers basically turn on you. I mean, that's I, I can only think of the turn heel analogy because it was that shocking. I didn't think I was going to lose more respect for a driver, especially coming back from CTMP. I lost a lot of respect for John Hunter Nemechek after what he did to Cole Custer last year, but I lost even more respect for what Austin Sindrick did at CTMP this past weekend because what he did was not even a bump and run as tom said a bump and run is one thing i mean we've seen it all the time earnhardt labani gordon wallace it happens but to blatantly use the man as a break in the slowest part of the corner and then blame the system that you're in it's not the system's fault it's not the system's fault that kaz has got to win and you don't it doesn't make it make a difference that kaz has got that win you still wrecked somebody and the fact that he said that was his only opportunity, he must have forgot that there was a long straightaway that you can draft all the way through to get to the final sector of that race course. Well, but I think, Tom, I think, Tom, this is the other thing. I think this comes from young drivers. We don't see the old drivers, the, the drivers that are veterans of the sport, running people over for wins. They know that they can get theirs. I think this is a case of a young driver who's inexperienced in NASCAR and his inexperience with handling these sort of things and the pressure to win and the pressures to exceed his expectations get in the way of the sportsmanship and the racemanship that comes with racing. He would not do this in a road course race like he's been doing with, uh, I don't know, the 12 hours of Bathurst or things of that nature. So for him to come out in two straight days, blame it and say, Kaz, Gorala, eh, it kind of puts him in a box of, well, if you get the same treatment, Tom, you better not come bitching back to everyone else because you were the first guy that did it. And I think Austin right now is a byproduct of these young drivers coming in with the I don't care attitude. I have to win. And that just won't cut it when you start graduating to different series. Well, to be fair, to, to say that the old guys didn't do that. I mean, Dale Earnhardt made a living from it. So let's let's be fair that, that Dale won, I don't know how many of his races by moving people out of the way. Um, however, your analogy and in, in your, your statement about young drivers being aggressive and not even trying, that, that's exactly right. But 
Cisco, I think the larger point here is that if this is, if you say that your team deserves a win and this is the way that you give it to them, I mean, I, Austin Sindrick will likely make it to where he wants to go because he's in a position, you know, by name to do that. But on the other hand, I also would like to think that eventually he will mature enough to understand that if this is how you're going to race, not only, as Rent said, should you not complain if you race that way back, you ought to be expecting it. And I think he's going to get it, honestly. Somebody's going to decide. And I got to tell you, Cisco, Cindric's stock has fallen a lot since he won that race, the same way Nemechek's did after the race last year. And, you know, I, don't, I mean, if you're getting sponsors or whatever, that's not a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. And I keep having flashbacks to, uh, well, I guess not personal flashbacks, but I think back to Rusty Wallace and Daryl Waltrip in 89 during the Winston, how that completely changed the outlook where Daryl was this villainous figure in the Cup Series for so long. And then that happens and suddenly the tables are turned. Rusty goes from being the, yeah. you know, the white knight in knight in shining armor to being Mr. The guy with the black hat on, you know, nobody likes Rusty. And I mean, you know, you carry that through that haunted Rusty, even through the rest of his career. You think about Bristol with him and Gordon and that rivalry going on. And until Rusty kind of got out of the sport and into the broadcast booth, he never really regained that same sort of, I guess, prestige that he had before that happened. But I also have to I also think you brought up WWE, which is actually an interesting thing because you mentioned Earnhardt. And I mean, we talk about Daryl before what happened in 89. There is a case where if Cindric wants to make a name for himself and I'm not saying and I totally agree with the fact where he's going to be able to get where he goes, especially in that Penske organization, because he's a Cindric. However, and by the way, I'm not. That I didn't mean that as a slam because the kid can no, 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 drive no. the wheels off a car. He's earned oh, yeah. that, okay. But my point is, it won't affect him the way it might, the way it did Nemechek. No, no. But I think Cindric's in this case where I I'm worried about him getting lost in the shuffle because he's another yet another young driver. We mentioned at the top of the show this youth movement. Cindric has a spot at Penske, but that Cindric name necessarily, you know. It's not a Chase Elliott. It's not right. you don't you don't have that immediate snap reaction. Oh, Elliott. Oh, I know who that is. Oh, uh right. Blaney. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know who that is. So, I'm almost wondering if this is Cindric trying to be like, "Hey, I'm over here. Hi, hi," and not become that, you well, know, I'm not like a I'm not kind sure of like a Ricky Craven effect where you become that guy on the team every week that's just kind of hanging out. He's on the team, but uh, you know, Rens, I don't think I don't think there was anyone, including Austin, who was ca- calculating enough to be able to come up with that. I, I think it just happened, and I think Austin was just determined to win and get himself in the playoffs. That's all he was thinking about. But the mm-hmm. but again, Rens, you know, it's it's just the the fact that it was him and the fact that he was the last guy you'd expect to do that was kind of my my whole thing with this and you know i really feel bad for kaz because he's been trying all year to get back to a victory and this yep. idea that that Cindric said well if kaz wasn't in the playoffs i would race him differently 
well, this isn't socialism. Racing's not socialism. It's not, well, you got a spot, so I should have a spot even if I don't earn it. I mean, that was just crazy. I just couldn't believe some of the things he was saying. Well, the last point I'll make before I get to this next point is this. People have been comparing the Jeremy Clements race at Road America to what happened at CTMP between Sindrick and Gralla, two totally separate incidents. At least with Jeremy Clements, he apologized, and he didn't mean to. Austin Sindrick completely meant to. Now, any point. Now, this is my point, Tom, about the point I was making about the other point. Kaz Gralla held such an amazing interview. I will say that he held such grace in his interview, and at the same time, he was furious. But he handled it much better than I would have. I would have gone down and given him a Cole Custer in victory lane if I had my opportunity. And, uh, you know, Jacob, it's just one of those things where the guys who take the higher road seem to always come out better in the end in the season because they're the guys that don't really have the chip on, they have the chip on their shoulder, but the guy who normally wrecks the other guy, he's the one who has to worry for the next, what, six, seven weeks. He's the guy that has to look in his mirror when you have teammates or even the guy that you messed up coming from behind. If I'm Austin Sindrick, I'm looking over my shoulder for the entirety of this playoff and I'm not expecting to make it to Homestead because, you know, Martinsville is a thing in these playoffs. And that's if Austin gets out of round one. Just saying. So, all that said, I do find it also interesting, Tom, that on a day, you know, less than three weeks after they announced that they're shutting down at the end of 2017, both of the BKR trucks lock themselves into the playoffs. We can give an attaboy to Chase Briscoe for locking in on points, can't we? Even if Austin's win was somewhat questionable. Well, sure. And I look again, I, I'm happy that Austin got in the playoffs. I like Austin. And, and I, I have an enormous amount of respect for everyone in that organization it just, it is a, and you know what? The idea that he may not make it past round one, I would almost tend to disagree because, you know, there's a little bit of swagger there right now. And unless somebody makes sure he doesn't make it through round one. There's a couple more GMS trucks yeah, besides I, just the 30. Well, but, you know, the question becomes, is NASCAR going to put the squash to that before it ever happens? Um, and the answer is probably yes. NASCAR is going to be watching carefully to make sure that that doesn't happen. But, you know, certainly it was uh, a dramatic ending to a race that was otherwise, in my opinion, very interesting. I just love Moss Sport, and I'm very, very excited about its status where it relates to next year's schedule. Yes, it's going to be the playoff opener next year. Oh, boy. Just saying. By the way, because I was corrected in the NASCAR Media Center by this, by by a Canadian who was in Darlington for the Southern 500, it is, in fact, according to the facility manager, Ron Fellows, most sport. Okay. Just saying. Most sport. It's most sport, eh? Yes, because sport, it's eight, a, with all the fights. It's a contraction of <laughs> it's a contraction of motorsport. It's Bowman Gray Stadium. Well, it's it's <laughs> about ten times <laughs> Bowman Gray <laughs> Stadium. Oh boy. On that note, we're gonna go away. When we come back, we're going to talk IndyCar and we're gonna find some New Yorker who was there for it. Steve Ovens joins us after this here on the Madness. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, and we will be right back. 
Okay, so, Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And Josh, you're going to... Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Let's throw the green for Open Wheel Central on Motorsports Madness. Now back to the roundtable and Jacob Seelman. We back here on the Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, Rents Brown talking with you about racing on a Monday night, and we're going to be joined momentarily by Steve Ovens, who was at Watkins Glen International to cover the IndyCar race weekend with us, uh, for us, rather. I'll get my grammar right by the end of this show, Tom. It's just been one of those days. Sure you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Anyway, all that said, all that aside, fun things. This championship battle just took an interesting turn, didn't it? With Alex Rossi having a perfect weekend, as perfect a weekend as one can have, Rents, when you re-sign with a team, re-sign a sponsor, win the pole, win the race, and then some New Garden kid who we all said was a shoe-in for the championship get crashed out from the lead, and boy, this just got really interesting. Well, it did, and you know... It was only a matter of time before Alexander Rossi won a race that, you know, obviously the Indianapolis 500 and the 100th, win, 100th running of it. There we go. If I can get my words correct, it's huge for him. 
And it's I'm going faster than what his car did when he crossed the line. But, you know, it's going to be huge. But he's always going to be linked to a fuel mileage race. This was Alexander Rossi just out muscling the field at Watkins Glen. And it was something that I think Andretti Autosport needed. And I think it's something that Alexander Rossi needed for his career. So, Jacob, when I look at this and I think about what's happened, Alexander Rossi is a dark horse to win this title, but he's not out of it because of that win. I just think a lot will happen, especially with what Joseph Newgarden had. It's going to be real interesting because Newgarden definitely did not need that to happen Sunday at Watkins Glen. Okay, I just want to clarify something, Renz. Did you just diminish... Did you just diminish Alexander Rossi's Indy 500 win by saying that it would be known as a fuel mileage race? Because you're the first one I've ever heard say that. And I know we got Steve Ovens ready to come in and talk with us, who was on the grounds at Watkins Glen for us. And I don't think Steve would go there either, Reds. I'm not sure you want to diminish I'm, I'm, an Indy 500 win of fuel I'm not diminishing. I'm not diminishing his Indy 500 win. It's an Indianapolis 500 win. But when you look at it, it doesn't matter what you win. The, a lot of people will say, oh, he backed into the fuel mileage. He wasn't as fast as the guys, yada, yada, blah, 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 blah. So when I see him out muscle a guy, the Indy 500 win will always be the best win of your career. It does not matter what, what else you do. Okay. But I think but I think when you can outmuscle someone for the win like that and show your true potential okay. and power on a track, that's what Just I'm saying. saying words mean things. <laughs> it's the one-hit wonder theory, kind of like Trevor Bain winning the Daytona 500, and he hasn't been able to win another race since. That's what Alex Rossi needed to shake the stigma of. He needed to not be the one-hit wonder who just won the biggest race. And Steve, okay. he absolutely did that because, as Rent said, not only did he outdrive the field he outdrove the modern era king of IndyCar to do it he w- he went heads up against scott dixon and he took him down in a good old-fashioned gunfight well he did and guys let's not gloss over the fact that he also probably wasn't the best car there on sunday either i think ilio castroneves was actually the best car overall However, they didn't they didn't come through in the clutch when they needed to. He had the penalty that set him back. And again, Rossi had to be there to capitalize. And I'm not taking away, Tom, from how good their car was and how well Rossi drove it because he had to drive the wheels off it in the last 10 laps, that last run to to close the deal. But, you know, to say I'm I'm with you guys, you know, this young man finally had that moment where, okay, I can win on more than just a fuel mileage race, and, and I can prove myself on not an easy course. When you think about running the entire road course at Watkins Glen, it's high speed, but it's technical, and it's high speed again. I mean, it, there's so many different components that went into – Uh, A masterful drive for Rossi on Sunday. Steve, what was the reaction like? I mean, I know what the reaction was from our end. We were at Charlotte when Rossi won the Indy 500 in 2016, and it was just absolute chaos at that moment because nobody thought it possible. And for a while, I wasn't sure 
if Alex was going to blossom into really the driver he started to become in the second half of the year this year, what was the reaction like when he took the checkered flag and all of a sudden it was, okay, yeah, he is for real? Well, I think the reaction was much of what you would expect. You know, I think a lot of the reaction, at least a lot of the reaction in the media room, were people asking him questions post-race about how does it feel to find... One reporter asked, how did it feel to get the monkey off your back? And I think that was kind of the feeling that everybody had, was that Alexander had finally done that. He'd finally been able to shed... Uh, you know, all, the, all those layers of skin saying, oh, he backed into a fuel mileage race and he was finally able to prove that. And I think that's what the reaction was at the track. Now, you know, I, it's it's hard to gauge Jacob without really factoring in what the fans all across America were saying, because I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that there was an amazing crowd at, at Watkins Glen on Sunday because there wasn't. And I probably am judging it unfairly based on the crowd that we saw just a month ago uh, for the for the NASCAR race. So I'm probably not giving it its fair due there. But I think overall that was the feeling was, oh, he's finally done it. Good for him. Good for Andretti, who got a road course win, uh, in which it had been several years for them to do that. Uh, and I think that was the overall feeling. All right, I want to make this point really quickly since you mentioned the crowd, and then I'll let Rents follow up after you're done, Steve. But the crowd this weekend, were you surprised that it was down compared to where we expected it to be? Well, I think that's where probably I show my rookie stripes when it comes to IndyCar or or open wheel because for the last three or four years, I've covered NASCAR at Watkins Glen, and it's been a sellout. For, for how many years in a row now, Jacob? And and so I, I was a little surprised. But the other thing I'll throw in there, and, and I'm not saying that weather was completely a factor, but the weather did not look good. Beyond, and, and be honest, Jacob, you and I even talked about in the days leading up to the race about how we were going to, you know, try and tackle covering the event uh, and, 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 you know, taking into consideration our photographers because – there was rain. There was supposed to be steady rain throughout the race, but it turned out to be great. I don't think, other than a few sprinkles, there was any rain during the race at all. It was a wet. It, you, they declared it a wet race to start, and at the end of lap one, everybody was diving in for slicks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that was just it. And in the jaws that fell to the floor when everybody hit pit road on lap one. That was pretty entertaining. I'm not going to lie. That that was pretty cool. But the crowd, I just, I don't know, man. It, it was kind of a bummer after you saw what the crowd was like and having a, a reserve ticket and camping sellout for NASCAR. And, and I don't know what the answer is, Jacob. I, I, I hate to bring that up without having some kind of suggestion as a fix because I'm just not. I'm just not engrossed in in the Verizon IndyCar series, and I don't know if there's something missing. There certainly was a lot of action on the track, and, and the pit strategy made that race very entertaining, and the coverage of it was, was fantastic on, on NBCSN. So I don't know what's missing there. I really don't. Um, we, we've got a showpiece here in the Northeast, and 
I just I'm not sure what it's going to take to to improve those numbers and and maybe it's not the track maybe it's all of those things put together well I'll tell you exactly what it is rents it's promotion we saw at Gateway that Curtis Francois Bomberito Automotive Group um, they know how to promote and they put 40,000 people in their racetrack so I'm gonna lay that one on WGI and IndyCar a little bit we gotta promote some of these road course shows better we gotta 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 do it well, I think it's a, it's a cross-platform. I think not only does Watkins Glen International need to promote this a little bit better, I think IndyCar and Hull needs to promote a little bit better, too. I, I see more points than not. NASCAR just out-promoting them every single week to buy tickets. And I'm not saying that IndyCar doesn't do that. They just don't do it to the extreme that NASCAR does. The race, though, Steve, it was interesting because the Penske cars were set up for the rain. Their downforce package was completely set up either for a hybrid or for the rain, and it killed them going up the yeses and into the bus stop. And I saw that because not many of them actually really had the pace to keep up with Alex Rossi. And Alex Rossi had drama throughout the race because his fueling hose wasn't actually giving him all the fuel. They actually had to go back there and fix it. And they were almost, I think, at one point considering using, I don't know if it's legal, but they were considering using Takuma Sato's pit because he was just having a dreadful race back there i think he actually spun out at one point going through the the boot so steve at some point i mean the the penske cars to start with that the penske cars were just off their game there was just no straight line speed whatsoever to get them going for for any of the dirt fans listening takuma sato on sunday looked like scott bloomquist in a camping world truck I mean, he, just, wow. he was wow. he was out to lunch. He was out to lunch. He had a terrible day. If it could happen, it happened to Takuma Sato on Sunday. And you're right, Rents, about the Penske cars. And, and, and they talked about it after the race is the fact that, you know, they they made several comments about the fact that they were more set up for a wet track. And And, you know, you had drivers on either side of the board there. Obviously, the Andretti cars uh, were were set up pretty well. uh, But that was the guessing game they had to play. You either were going to be great because you you gambled on it being uh, not a, a wet race course and not having to deal with rain all day. Or you set up for the wet and on lap one, you pretty much knew what you had. That's for sure. Um, one thing I, I wanted to, um, one thing that I wanted to, oh, uh, uh, talking about Rossi too, with the fuel probe, there were some very, very, um, heated conversations between driver and crew when they were trying to figure out what was going on. It was a problem with the fuel probe and on that last pit stop, they weren't even sure if they had it fixed. I mean, Alexander was asking them after the pit stop. Are we good? Are we good? Did did we fix it? And until that last pit stop, guys, they didn't realize whether they had it fixed or not. Oh, boy. Now, final point I want to make here, Steve, and this was the big point because we only have one race to go now. And the Penske cars being bad turned great for the championship at the end of the day. Joseph Newgarden, who was going to be the leader after that last stint by all effect and appearances. Cold tires coming out of pit road, tries to get the tires cleaned off, hits the pit wall, and then gets demolished by Sebastian Bourdais, who had nowhere to go. Newgarden finishes 18th as a result, and let's see. 
Hmm, double points at Sonoma and seven drivers mathematically eligible for the championship, including three of them that if they win the race, they win the title. Yes, freaking please. I'm going to go out on a limb, guys, and even though I don't cover the Verizon IndyCar series that much, just based on the kick in the gut that Newgarden took on Sunday, I'm going to make a bold prediction here and say that he does not win the championship because his post-race interviews and, and seeing his interactions after the race, he looks like a driver that just got kicked in the gut and and is dreading going to Sonoma because they gave up 28 points, Jacob, in a regular season event. We're not even talking about double points. They gave up 28 points of their point lead on Sunday. And in what he called very directly – he goes, yeah, that probably looked pretty stupid, didn't it? You know, I I came out of the pits, I hit the gas off the button too quick and ran into the wall. I mean, it just it was a a lapse in uh, in judgment on his part there, and it may cost him the championship. And and the guys that are chasing him, Jacob, I just I'm making that bold prediction here. I I I don't see a scenario where he goes to Sonoma after the disaster that was Watkins Glen, double points on the line with only a three-point margin, I think he might get overtaken this week, or uh, coming up in a couple weeks. All right, around the table, and then we're going to break. Tom, then Cisco, then Rents. Who wins the championship at Sonoma in two weeks? I, boy, I'm really kind of feeling like the guy who probably most is going to be driving to win it is the guy who's sort of fighting for perhaps another IndyCar season, Elio Castroneves. Wow. Cisco. I mean, it's Sonoma. He's so much closer now. It's so much more achievable. Dixon. Rents. I'm going Scott Dixon. There's no way you can keep him out to be this close and have another shot at another championship. I think that's number five for him, Jacob. It's going to be really hard to keep him down, and I think he smelt blood in the water at Watkins Glen, and he wants that. But keep in mind, Alex Rossi, although it's not, it's it looks it's a long shot. Some things, some things need to happen. But we called a long shot in 2015, and Scott Dixon won it. But I'm thinking that it's going to be a Dixie type of day. I think it's Dixie as well. And with that, we are going to go away for a couple of minutes. On the other side, Steve remains, and we talk dirt because hey, Stevo. Weren't we yelling about Shane Stewart the last time we had you on? Isn't that how that worked? We were questioning whether Shane Stewart was still on the World of Outlaws tour, yeah. <laughs> well, I got news for you. He's we have still the there. answer. <laughs> yeah, we got our answer. We'll tell you why when we come back. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. 
And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Porkchop, Stephen Evans. We back, and Steve is still here. Just saying. It's Motorsports Madness. We're into hour number two. And Steve-O, that Shane Stewart guy, yeah, we were, as you said, questioning his existence. He must have heard that or something. I don't know. Maybe the maybe these guys listen to us more than we think because the trend continues. We call somebody out, and they go on a huge tear. In Stewart's case, a huge, huge tear. Holy crap, Batman. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. And, you know, unfortunately for Stewart, you know, in terms of championship race, this is, you know, uh, a little too little, way too late, I think, is what we would want to say, Jacob. He dug himself way too big a hole early in the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just I, I don't know. I don't know what it was for these guys this year because. You know, they, they've got such a great team, and this was certainly far from their first year out on the tour, you know, as a team. And, you know, you know that uh, that Larson Marks is giving them everything they need to be competitive. I just, I don't know where the train went off the rails this year. I really don't. I'm glad to see him pick up, you know, some wins here late in the season, but it's just, 
it makes you wonder, man, they're going to they're going to look back at 2017 and they're going to say, what happened? Like, how did we get so bad so quick? And it's taken us until the fall to kind of get back on our feet here. Yeah, and let's be clear. Shane Stewart has won three of the last five races, and he's won three races in a span of about 11 days, Steve. We race on Wednesday at Willamette Speedway in Oregon, and then you've got the Gold Cup Race of Champions at Silver Dollar Speedway in Chico this Friday and Saturday. But stop and consider this now. The two guys that we both said have needed to win, needed to win, needed to win, needed to win... Shane Stewart and Darren Pittman have combined, Tom, to win the last five World of Outlaws races on the tour. Um, hello. And it's all because of us. Yes. We, we just, everybody that we say needs a win goes and wins. We just fired them right up. They all listened to the show and said, you know, those guys don't know anything. Hold my beer. And they, were, they just go out winning. It's amazing how that happens. I don't know. You know, the, the whole Shane Stewart thing for me, I, Pittman, honestly, is not as big a surprise to me as Shane Stewart's run because it's not that we all doubted he could win, but they were just so off. You know, Steve, off the rails is, is the perfect way to describe it. They weren't even in the competition. And, and then every once in a while they would sneak up, but then it'd be, it's just been such a weird outlaws season, hasn't it? Well, and, and for Shane, I mean, Tom, they should have had a lot more wins early in the season, but it seemed like every time Shane was in position to try and get a win to close the deal, he would run yes. into a lap yep. car or try yep. and knock down a concrete wall. I mean, it was the the potential was there. They just weren't closing the deal. And, you know, I, I'm glad to see them get on this time kind of run here, I am too. but again, it's just it's just way too late in the well, season to finally be performing at your potential. It, it Jacob, it's a little too late in terms of perhaps the championship run, but I don't think it's ever too late to introduce another hot car going down the stretch with yeah. you know, some of the big shows we got coming up and then into the world finals. I mean, from a competition standpoint, if it's not the Donnie Shots benefit series for a month or two, this is a great way to close the season. Oh, it really is. And now stop and consider that you have two drivers that have double-digit wins this season. And all of a sudden, you've got Shane Stewart, who's up to seven wins. And gosh, you would think if things could go right, potentially could get three more before the end of the year. I'm going to do us a real big one, Steve, here. I mean, you stop and consider it's been about Six years, I think, since the last time we even had another driver besides Don. Okay, it's not been quite that long. Actually, 2014 was the last time we had another driver besides Donnie Schatz win more than 10 races in one year. But I'm going to do some digging here in a minute and let you digest that and figure out when the last time was we had three drivers win more than 10 races in a year. I can promise you it's been a long time since that's happened. Well, it has. And I don't want to say too much positive about Shane because he'll send us an email and tell us to stop because then he won't win anymore. Um, I really do feel like, though, that this, again, you get on, you get in these momentum 
roles here, and I, I think Shane is in a position where maybe as we get down the stretch, I mean, let's face it, the weather's going to change, the tracks are going to change, and I think Shane, Jake, is definitely going to be a contender as we continue to get down the road, but you've got some other drivers in the series, too, that are capable of making a run. Oh, I agree 100%. Now, for those of you who were trying frantically to go to the World of Outlaws website and see if you could answer the trivia question, I'll give you the answer right now. The last time we had three drivers in one season win 10 or more features, a decade ago, 2007, Donnie Schatz (laughs) wins his second championship. Joey Saldana won 12 races that year. And yes, the king, Steve Kinzer, won 10 races that year. And amazingly, he finished sixth in points that season behind Jason Myers, Darren Pittman, and Danny Lasoski, who had five, six, and six wins that year, respectively. One of those seasons where you look at the parody, and it was very, very impressive all the way down the stretch. We're going to step aside. We got more Dirt Track Talk with Steve up ahead. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and you're listening to it right here on the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. (laughs) My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. I'm Kaz Grawl, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Well, I feel like we were talking about him earlier. We were. Maybe a little bit. Hi, Kaz. 
Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James. Uh, wow. James is across the pond. There's the first. Hi, three. James. <laughs> wow. I, I knew I would Lewis do it eventually, I, too. I'm that forgettable, I mean, aren't I? Cisco doesn't look that much I'm like I'm sorry, James. Or Cisco. Wow. That's wow. Cool. All right. <laughs> See you, I, I give up. I give up. Steve, save me. <laughs> You're coming to me to save you. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was my third Too mistake, late. right? Oh, boy. Well, Rents, did you have a point about uh, well, someone you thought was going to be on a run? Well, Steve, the big thing is, is we're talking about championship runs and someone other than Donnie Schatz winning this title. And I got a guy for you as Cisco just goes away. I, I got a guy for you that we haven't really <laughs> talked about so much in this program. And that's, you know, Brad Sweet. I feel like 96 points back. Sure, he only has four wins. And we look at David Gravel, 170 points back in third. And you were talking about it and the fact that, you know, he's in trouble. But I think Brad Sweet's the guy we have to look forward to here because I think he's the only guy that can give Donnie shots a run for this championship. I I got to be honest with you, Rance. I'm sitting here shaking my head looking at the stat sheet. I like where did Brad Sweet come from? Like. He's got four wins compared to Donnie Schatz's 17, but here's mm-hmm. what tells the story. 48 top fives to Schatz's 50 top fives, and they're tied for top tens. I mean, this guy has been the snake in the weeds, it seems like to me, all summer long, because it's been the Shots and Gravel show. He could come back and steal this thing. From yeah. shots when all we've been talking about is shots and gravel. Well, I don't know if I would go that far, Steve. I got to see more, uh, what's the word, flash? More sh- pizzazz? I don't know. Something like that. From that 49 team before I really am ready to anoint him as the last hope to dethrone Donnie shots. I mean, yeah, Brad's been good, but... At the end of the day, you got to win races, and they just haven't done that when it counts this season. He almost got Shane Stewart at Grays Harbor. And, you know, that, I just, I, yes, they need to show a little more flash, but, I mean, when you're only two top fives away from shots, and, and yes, you you need to, as I've termed it on the show in the past, you need to step on throats when you're running in second or third. You need to close the deal. But the fact that he has only got four wins but yet still has as many top fives, they're right there. They can see it. Um, so I feel like they're a lot closer than, than maybe you're giving them credit for, but we'll see. And, and if you're David Gravel at this point, 170 points out, time to hit the panic button. I well, mean, the – Biggest thing, too, here, Jacob, is the fact that I think the Knoxville Nationals really killed David Gravel and the fact that his confidence completely went out the window. Sure, he's got that 13 wins, but a big race like that plays with you. And he had the car to win that race. I don't think anyone questioned that. I don't think anyone thought for a minute that he wasn't the guy to beat all week. So now that you look at it and the fact that he's 170 points out, Jake, I think a lot of it might just be mental just mental preparation from here on out. I think he's got the car to do it. I don't think mentally he's there to make a championship run. I tend to believe you, actually. It's funny that you bring that up because that was one of the points that I was thinking about the other day, that sometimes there are turning points, and they can be good or bad, 
And in this case, the Knoxville Nationals was a torpedo turning point for David Gravel and CJB. I just don't see them being able to come back. It came at the worst possible time, and they haven't been the same team, I don't think, since then. And that's really what's hurt, Steve. And I want to kind of turn and shift gears now for a minute because we had a couple other big races over the weekend. And in the late model world, there's not many that are bigger than the Hillbilly 100 uh, at Tyler County Speedway. And I love these two names that we're talking about. One of them you're very familiar with because he's a guy that has so performed up in New York over the years. And another guy who, gosh darn it, needed a win in something. How long has it been since we said Superman Jonathan Davenport actually won something? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, look at all the money they bagged last season. Two seasons and, ago, 2015. Or two seasons ago. I'm sorry, you're right. Look look at all the – man, Even we've even got people here in the studio calling in and chiming in about it. Um, yeah, Davenport, he uh, – Two seasons ago, he wins everything you could win. If it was a big money show, they were winning it. And, you know, they kind of plateaued. And, and you know, they finally showed what that team is is made of, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, the guy chasing him down, yeah, everybody here in the Northeast was was uh, pulling for T-Mac, no doubt about it. Um, and, boy, he almost got there. Almost. Uh, you know, just just within a car length of Davenport at the line and you know that's a that's a that's a scary team right now i mean they 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 might not uh, they might not have enough time jacob to to really make a championship run but man they're they're going to they're going to go as for as many w's as you can from now until then oh yeah and davenport's not even close when it comes to a championship in anything i don't know that he's run a full schedule in anything this season. He's not in the top 12 as far as the championship points are concerned for the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. But this is a big deal, Tom. After he left the Barry Wright house car and before that, the seat that he had, I mean, that's, you know, he's been out of two high profile cars now. G.R. Smith actually got out of his own car to put Davenport in it when Davenport became available. And now we see why that decision pays off. And that's not a name that you would think of as far as being a front-running, high-profile car. Sometimes the driver makes the difference. In this case, Jonathan Davenport's a hell of a wheelman, and I feel like he made the difference. Well, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think anybody who follows that type of racing questions the talent and the skill of Jonathan Davenport. But again, like any other driver, you're subject to a slump and sometimes something that works one year just doesn't the next for whatever reason. And especially in that form of racing, people don't, I think, give enough credit to the fact that both of those series, the Lucas Oil Series, the World of Outlaws Late Models, those are both deep, deep competitive series. And so... It's hard to be so dominant in either one of those series. So, you know, Davenport kind of going away for a while as far as out of the wing column and then suddenly having a resurgence in a different situation certainly is not a big surprise to me, but it really shows the fact that he can drive and he hasn't lost a step. It just, you know, it's just a slump. 
Well, I would agree with that, and I think this could be the first step to finally snapping out yeah. of that slump, which is a really, really scary thing if you're the rest of the competition, Steve, as far as I'm concerned. And there's another guy who's not on a slump right now, and his name is kind of similar to Jonathan Davenport, at least his nickname is. Super Matt is still the man. What is this now? Six for seven? And if it wasn't for an interruption by some guy named Brett Hearn, yeah, he's probably seven for seven. Yeah, this is... I don't think that, you know, anybody other than the Shepard team saw them going on this kind of run. There's no doubt that this is the the premier team on the series right now. There's no doubting that. But to go six out of seven, when you consider how competitive the, the field is on the Super Dirt Car Series, I just have to sit back and say, bravo. Hands, you know, hats off to this to, to Shepard and his team. They took a a potentially bad situation. I, I'll say it was a bad situation. The whole deal with Larry White, the suspension, all of the negativity that came along with that. You know, they have taken that and they are just they're running with it. They they're they're saying, look, no penalty is going to keep us back from performing at the level that this team is capable of performing at. And and the thing about it is, you know, let's not forget, you know, Matt went out on his own, and yes, he's got a lot of great support behind him, but, you know, it's just Matt. It's Matt and his buddies working on this car. It's not a full staff of you know, three or four people back at the shop like some of the other teams may have that are that are putting their efforts toward this car. You know, he is Matt Shepard. I'm not, you know, it's hard to say that one person alone, Jacob, is the sole responsibility for their success. But if there's any driver that comes as close to that statement as you can, it's Matt Shepard because he is a mastermind with these cars. People forget this This guy's got an engineering degree. He knows more about what's happening with these cars than the casual fan probably even realizes. And he's got some great support behind him, no doubt, with the dentist companies, Bicknell, CC Perform. I mean, everything is working perfectly for them right now. He just capped off a champion, you know, outside of the Super Dirt Car Series, he just capped off championships at Canadagua, which was non-dirt car this year. He capped off a, a 12-win season at Outlaw Speedway and just claimed the American Racer Cup uh, to the tune of $11,000. I mean, it's good to be Matt Shepard right now. There's no doubt. Oh, it's really good to be Matt Shepard right now. And I'm going to ask the big question in the air because after... Weedsport, where Billy Decker did not have the day that he really needed to have, Steve. Matt Shepard is only 48 points outside the lead in this championship, and Larry White, who was once the points leader, is now fourth. Now, stop and consider. We've still got 10 races to go. 
Matt Shepard, yes, he's missed two races. But A, can he win the championship after missing two races? And B, if he does win the championship, is it tarnished at all by the incident from earlier in the year? Not only can he win the championship, Jacob, even though I picked Billy Decker, I'm turning course here. Matt Shepard is going to win the Super Dirt Car Series this year. There's there With the run they have been on, and at some of the tracks that he has coming up, including Charlotte. And, and I think that Matt is, is, you know, he's proven he can win at Charlotte. He can have good runs there. I know that, um, you know, he, he had a year there where things didn't exactly go their way. But Matt's going to, I think Matt is going to close the deal here. Uh, Decker and the Mike Payne Racing Group have been on a slump here. And I think that slump started... Uh, with a poor finish at Adirondack here, uh, I'm going to say roughly a month ago. Since that time, they have just they've just been off a little bit. And when you're going up against a guy like Matt Shepard, Brett Hearn, Larry White, you you can't have consecutive off nights. And and they've just been a tick off. I I don't know what it is. I mean, Mike Payne is a is a mastermind when it comes to the world of racing shocks. You know, his his stuff has had great success all over the Northeast here. But I, I just I don't know what it is, Jacob. They're they're off. And and with the run shepherds going on, I just I don't know. Yes, they're the point leader right now, but I don't know if they can hold on. I really don't. We're coming up on some great places for Matt. We're going to Oswego where Matt feels like he probably saw one get away from him last year after dominating all week long and not able to close the deal. I, I just, and, and as far as tarnishing, no, I, you know, yes, it was a lapse in judgment. It was not a great night. If you were a Matt Shepard fan, and it certainly wasn't a great points night after the penalties were levied, but you know, it's not going to be tarnished because in, and Tom, I don't know if you would agree with this. I don't think it's tarnished. If you come back and win the championship, if you settled in and finished fifth in points that year, okay, you know maybe you could say it was tarnished a little bit. But if you come back and win the championship after, you know, scoring zero for three races, I don't, I don't think that would be tarnished. I think you know you have to look back and look at just what an incredible run that is. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I understand that the circumstances behind why you make that statement are different than, for example, Kyle Busch getting hurt at Daytona and then coming back with 11 less races than everybody else winning the title. But I think the end result would be the same. You know, Matt Shepard scored zero for three races, and if he's able to come back from that and still win the title, then, you know, it's not tarnished at all. In fact, I would argue that, Jacob, it was a pretty doggone good achievement. With that, we're going to step aside. Steve, as always, a pleasure to have you on, and we'll look to have you back next Monday. And good grief, this is... I love this part of the schedule because we get into some really fun tracks. The Gold Cup is this weekend. I love California. I love Silver Dollar. I'm excited for it. I really am. Yeah, there's a lot going on here the past couple of weeks that we need to get to, but guys, a story that maybe we should think about talking about next next Monday night is Utica Rome and Fulton within the last 24 hours have both said they are going dirt car 358 modified racing 
in 2018. Out with the big blocks, in with the dirt car 358s. That has the whole Northeast abuzz the last 24 hours. There's still a lot of information that is coming out. So next Monday night, man, let's catch up on that because that's been big up here. All right, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we'll talk a little NHRA. They were in Indianapolis over Labor Day weekend, and there was a Formula One race. Lewis Hamilton won it. Okay, maybe there's a little bit more that you need to know than that. We'll hit on it when we come back here to the Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America, featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits. HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Todd Gilliland, driver of number 16, Nav Auto Parts, Toyota Camry, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Quick thoughts that we'll chase later in the week on our stock car show, Tom. Todd Gilliland wins Langley, takes the K&N East championship lead. Is he now officially the favorite? 
for both titles, East and West. Well, of course he is. He's in beast mode right now. I mean, I, I don't see how you can say anything else other than he's the favorite. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, Harrison Burton can't come back and pull off a couple of victories. but Or Chris Eggleston out west. Or Eggleston out west, but I think Harrison's the more likely of the two. I think, uh, I think Gilliland has pretty much got them both sewn up, though. Fair enough. Anyway, thanks, Todd, for bringing us back from break. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Rents Brown, Cisco Scaramuza. Cisco. Yes. The, I, well, we were going to mention some drag racing, Jacob. Well, yes. the good thing was we had some this weekend. Yes. U.S. Nationals and, uh, is kind of a big deal. Yeah, the big go, as they call it, the 63rd running of this Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals, just down the road from me over next to IRP at Lucas Oil Raceway. And I woke up to a great headline this morning in the Indy Star because three of the four winners of that race were Indy natives. Drew Skillman, J.R. Todd, and Eddie Krawick. They're all from Indiana. It was a really cool article to read, so I encourage you to go check that out. But let's talk a little bit about that because, well, it kicked off, I have to say, with a bang because, well, the Sarge had a massive explosion during qualifying. That It was huge. Apparently, I believe the crankshaft broke on that car, and it was this massive explosion. I hadn't seen a car like that Kaboom. in a while. Yeah, a huge flame spit of flame. You also saw Ron Caps blow up one as well. But my highlight of the race of that weekend was Derek Kramer in the battle of the burnouts. If you can go find the clip online, they had a line lock in that car and he just threw it on. And the smoke was going over the stands by about three stories. It was incredible. So Derek Kramer, shout out to him burnout of the year for me. And then drew Skillman got it done in pro stock. Jer Todd got it done. Really awesome job for him in funny car. How As can I you not Eddie love Craywick the yellow fellas mosh pit, by the way? Oh, it was fantastic. The The whole event, the U.S. Nationals this year were just fantastic. It was a great event put on by everyone over at NHRA. And, oh, yeah, there, we forgot to mention, Jake, there's this guy, Steve Torrance. Yeah, he got a win at the U.S. Nationals as, as well. Maybe not in dramatic fashion. Keevan Kinsley actually got to sneak his way into the finals. That was amazing. But, uh, spun the tires off the line, so it didn't quite work for him. Yeah, Tom, so this Torrance guy, he had the number one seed pretty much sewn up coming into the weekend, but he now has, count them, seven wins this year. I never thought I would say this in the current era of top fuel racing, but I'm finally saying it, and it's kind of a refreshing change. Antron Brown is no longer the favorite. Well, I I don't, I guess you, that's fair, but... I don't think it's because Antron has lost anything. I think it's what I've been saying for years on this program. NHRA, because we're dealing with three or four seconds of pass, I mean, you, you're either on it at that moment or you're not. And, you know, there just there are so many variables and the motors are just finicky. I, I don't. I, I don't want to make too much of too little and say that Antron is no longer the favorite, but I I think it's it's as much the fact that you've got a, a wider distribution of teams with the resources to be able to compete with him now, and I do think that's very good for the NHRA. 
I, I think you look at all of the major divisions of the NHRA or classes, I guess you would call them, and, and you see the same sorts of things going on, Jacob. Yeah. So, Except in Funny Car, where Ron Caps is just killing well, everybody. Yeah, but even in Funny Car, I mean, he's had an, an exceptionally great year, but even in Funny Car, it's not as if when you go in every week to the race, you just know that uh, Ron Caps is going to win it. I mean, it's just been a, a it's been as good a year for him Cisco as it has an off year for Antron Brown but I just in drag racing I just don't like to make a lot of statements about well somebody's fallen off or somebody's it's you know some years it just goes better for some than others it seems like and if you want to talk about momentum keep in mind that Coletta Motorsports is now three for the last four in funny car with J.R. Todd winning that. So they, they've they got momentum right now and in running into the playoffs. This is a huge time for those guys to get it. So this, I don't think this is quite over yet. Caps may still have the points lead, but I'm not so sure. Oh, Rents? by the way. Yes, Rents, go ahead real quick. Well, what I was going to say real quick, Jacob, is you, if you remember on last week's show, I said the man going into Indianapolis that desperately needed to have a good weekend to make the playoffs was Cruz Pentagon. Well, he made it. He's the 10th seed. He's the last guy that made it in. And he might be able to do this kind of miraculous run through the field, even though that Ron Caps is pretty much busting a cap and well, I won't go there, but the way that he's running right now, he might as well win another championship because he's got that Napa know-how going for him, Jacob. So <laughs> right now as Cruz is in, it's kind of interesting to see that we got John force seventh in terms of standings, Robert Heights, kind of the guy for, you know, that team going into it, but how about Chris Petricon, Jacob, making it in to the funny car top 10 for the championship? That was amazing. That run that Cruiser went on to actually make the playoffs and he got the help he needed was just awesome. I'm so happy to see the snap-on folks going into this for another championship, and you know what? They deserve it. They've had a rough, rough year. So just to see them have that bright spot for me was really awesome, and I was really, really happy to see Cruiser get another shot at this. That was a bright spot for the weekend, and Tom, shifting gears completely away from straight line and going back to turning left and right i guess for a while okay formula one at monza monza great track love it awesome lewis hamilton record-breaking 69th career pole and more importantly he wins the race and takes over the championship lead from sebastian vettel oh boy oh i mean is anyone surprised? A little. I mean, you know, I mean, I picked Vettel to win last week just because all of you picked Lewis. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I I still think between the two of them, when it comes down the stretch, if I'm betting on a championship, I'm betting on Lewis Hamilton. I mean, right now, you know, Mercedes is still the program and Lewis is still the champ. But again, just like we talked about in drag racing, F1 this year, you, you've had Vettel, you've had, you know, a couple of, of times when you've had either one of the Red Bulls. Well, I mean, honestly, I guess most of the time it has been Hamilton or Vettel, but, you know, it, it really just, at least there's been, there have been two or three other cars that at times have shown the ability 
to at least be competitive. And I think that's a good trend for F1. The the thing, the, the biggest story to me in that race, Jacob, was when you looked at the top four or five cars, a couple of the names that we saw on the starting, on the starting grid after qualifying, it was like, uh, huh? Lance Stroll. Yeah, second. And uh, who was the other one that was the qualified Ocon, third? third? Yeah, Ocon, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, wow, the start of this race is going to be fun. But you know and what? And it was. It was, yeah. We're going to step aside our final commercial break when we come back. Performance picks, performance picks, performance picks. And, well, you know, this guy. This guy schooling us again. Yeah, Tom did that. We wrap the madness when we come back. You're listening to PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. We are back here on PMN. Jacob Zielman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, Rents Brown with you on a good night here at the PMN Studios in Mooresville, North Carolina. It's been a good night, I think, Tom. It's yes, been no? a good night, yeah. It's been a good night. Sure. Talking racing, finishing up a show, performance picks, Tom's back to his usual winning ways, and, you know, that's just no fun for the rest of us. Uh, I don't like you. 
None of us like you. You win too much. Danny does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. All right. At least I'm not last. Rent. Oh, this is the first time I think I've been last all year. First. Last first. Well, I'm first in the picks. Last in the, I guess, last oh, week. Oh, last so. this day. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Well, okay. We're at Richmond this upcoming week, gentlemen. And Wick- Richmond always seems to lead us to some interesting possibilities. For the Xfinity race, I'm going to be choosing someone a little bit different outside the box. Christopher Bell in the Xfinity Series race. He's going to go to victory lane in the 20. Why not? The kid's he's in quick the 20. And, and, I forgot about that. Yeah. I, I believe he's also in the car for the duration of the playoffs, too, in that 20 if they get the chance, right? No. Last that four. That's last four. Eric oh, and last Daniel four. have okay. a couple of races, but he's in for the last four. Okay. Give me Christopher Bell in the Xfinity race. For the cup race, I'm choosing the guy that's going to have to get in Jeremy Mayfield style to get into these playoffs. I'm choosing Clint Boyer to victory lane in the 14 car, breaks the dry spell, and gets Tony Stewart and Stewart Haas racing that car into another one of those James Pike throws around and flails from England-type championship runs where he just feels all warm and fuzzy inside. Because I know he's listening. Hi, James. We miss you. He is. Yes, he is. We do miss you. All right. Me, I guess. The Xfinity Series. You know what? I'm going to be that guy and actually pick an Xfinity regular. Holy crap. What? Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Elliot Sadler, though, Elliot Sadler is going to win the Xfinity race. I just, I have a good feeling. They're from Virginia. Elliot really likes short tracks. And at the end of the day, I think he's a little bit motivated. I think he really felt like he had a shot to win at Darlington until he got turned by Eric Jones at the tail end of that race. So I'm going to go with the one car to win the Xfinity race. As far as the cup race is concerned... You're wrong, Rents. You're wrong. Nobody's winning their way in at all, period. I'm sorry. It's going to be Denny Hamlin. <laughs> Just saying, because Denny Hamlin. Cisco? I'm never wrong. <laughs> well, for <laughs> Richmond, I'm going to jump I'm going to jump on the bandwagon and I'm mad I didn't shout him out last week because he was driving my favorite throw pack paint scheme. I'm going to go with Daniel Hemrick at Richmond tonight. Wow. Okay. Because looking at how Richmond has progressed lately, it's more a Chevy track than you would think. It's not as Toyota dominant as we think. So you know what? I'm sticking with the bow ties. I think Hemrick's going to do it. Now, Cup, I got to look at the stat sheet. I got to go, well, who won there in April? Well, Joey Logano. Who needs a win to get into the chase? Joey Logano. Joey Joey Logano. Yeah, that's a dollar in the kitty. All right, boss man. I know what you're going to do for the Xfinity race because none of the rest of us did it. I almost did it, but I just can't stoop that low. I'm sorry. What am I going to do? Uh, you're going to pick the guy who probably will win, even though I can dream about Elliot Sadler in a hometown story, but yeah. So who do you think I'm going to pick? Kyle Busch because he's in the race. You're correct. Kyle <laughs> Busch is going to win the Xfinity race, and in the cup race... Kyle Busch is going to do Kyle Busch things, and he's going to win that one, too. Really? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, Kyle Busch for the double. 
Ugh. What am I missing? Is that it? <laughs> That's it. Okay. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. That's it. It's probably it. a good thing. Now, it's our lightning round, so we're going to do lightning round things for a few minutes. And I'm going to start with this, because at the end of the day, there's going to be a few surprises left out in the cold in the cup playoffs this year. I want you guys to tell me who the biggest surprise is that misses the playoff, or let me rephrase that, not necessarily surprise because we've seen them race for 25 weeks. Biggest disappointment as far as a driver that didn't make the playoffs or won't make the playoffs. Tom, you can start. Uh, Biggest disappointment. (laughs) Okay, that's not where I thought you were going. Biggest disappointment who won't make the playoffs for me. I'm actually going to say Eric Jones because I don't don't think he's going to make it in, and I really believed that Eric Jones this season would probably win at least a race if not a couple. And, you know, I thought, sure, he would run well enough to be in the playoffs. So I would say Eric Jones because I believe Clint Boyer has a shot to win his way in. So um, I think Eric would be the biggest disappointment for me. Wow. Cisco. I'm going to say that Jamie Mack is going to have a very good day at Richmond. He's going to pat Matt past Matt Kenseth, and if somebody wins his way in, Matt misses the chase. So I'm going to say Matt Kenseth, biggest disappointment missing the chase. That's $2 Playoffs. more in the pot. That's $2. Playoffs. That's actually that's $3 total because he said chase three yeah. times in the last yeah. segment. Yeah, good oh, job. Not, oh, oh, that's what oh. you meant. Oh, the playoffs. Oh, the yep. playoffs. I guess give me your money. Rancer. Um, the biggest disappointment for me in 2017 has to be Dale Earnhardt Jr., that entire team has not gelled since they got to Daytona for speed weeks. They kind of had a run with Alex Bowman in the clash. And ever since then, they haven't really been that team that's gelled. Even when I talked to, to Dale at Auto Club, they said, don't worry, we're going to get our feet up from underneath us. I haven't seen them do it. They've put together runs here and there, but never a complete race. They've been embarrassed the entire season. Greg Ives has not, bring, has not brought a good car to really, you know, give them a good shot. Dale hasn't been, in my opinion, hasn't given it, you know, that drive that we normally have seen him do in the past, whether that be from the injuries that he sustained last year, or maybe it's just due to the fact that, you know, it's a retirement year, and most people, when they retire, really don't put their entire full foot forward, because there's nothing to look forward to for the following season. I just haven't seen the 88 perform to the snuff that they're used to doing. And before I catch flack, I'm not saying that Dale's not going to go out in the next 10 or so races and give it his all. He's been giving it his all all year. But for a guy that went out and about contended for the championship four of the last five years and to fall as flat as he has is just disappointing. I don't think he's going to be a contender for these playoffs, nor do I think he's going to be a contender for any wins this year. That's just my opinion. The 88 fans can disagree with me all day, but as long as we're sitting here, Casey Kane's in the playoffs. Chase Elliott's in the playoffs. Jimmy Johnson's in the playoffs. Where's Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Why not the 88? Questions that have to be asked before we hit Homestead. Fair enough. My biggest disappointment is Joey Logano because... Truth be told, I fully expected them to have at least one more win at this point, and they have just absolutely fallen on their sword. Well, it, it's been painful to watch that 22 team fall apart this year, and I just, 
I hate it because Joey is a playoff caliber driver. He's a championship caliber driver. And this has just been, I mean, I, I, I don't even know what else can be said about it. It's just been, it's just been bad. See, I didn't say Joey because, again, we've still got a race to go before we get in the playoffs. And I think there's a chance that Joey goes and wins it. So I, the question was a little premature. So I was looking at drivers that I thought were either below the cut line right now or right on the bubble that, you know, may uh, – may or may not probably won't get in unless they win and i just don't see eric winning but yes there's no question if you the biggest disappointment of the season period uh, in my opinion is joey logano and that team they have just been a mile off the mark for the most part and i don't understand it it's really hard to watch honestly because i know how hard they're fighting and i know how hard todd gordon works and the whole team works and that's Again, it's just what I said earlier. You can always have a slump, and they are in a bad one right now. Very, very bad one. Okay, next question, and I know this is a little premature too, but in light of the potential weather situation, and I want to add that uh, in advance of the potential hurricane impacting the southeastern United States, I want to go ahead and send up some prayers to all of our friends down in the in the Florida area and out there in the Atlantic who are getting ready to have to deal with this. But with that said, we hope nothing happens. But it's been brought up this week that if something were to happen down in Miami and Homestead were to sustain some serious damage, you would have to consider moving the championship race, which brings me to this little bit different adaptation of the question. If you were king for a day and you could put the championship race anywhere you wanted, where would you put it and why? Tom? I don't really I, I don't really like the question, to be honest, because I, I just feel like it's almost a scaremongering type of question. But I guess if you're just no, 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 a, no, I just mean in general, not because, of, not because if, of weather. Well, you know, OK, so if the question in general is if it couldn't be at Homestead, where would you put it? then that changes my answer because if we're taking weather out of the equation. Yeah, I just mean period. If you, if you were king of NASCAR for a day, like in general, and you could have the championship race wherever you wanted, where would you put it? <laughs> well, the, I see me, I would start and end at the same place. I just, I love the idea of starting and ending at Daytona. Fair that's, enough. That's in that, and the reason for that is because the restrictor plate style of racing is the biggest sort of question mark and you go into it not knowing who's going to win and to me that but I'm not saying we should do that I like yeah. it at Homestead there are other tracks I'd like to put it but you can't run it at Bristol at the end of November <laughs> Rents her quickly I will say this Auto Club Speedway is one of the best tracks I can think of I think the racing there is very similar to what Homestead Miami brings in terms of the lines that you can run, where you can go, and how fast you can run. Keep in mind that the that the weather is pretty nice around this time of year, especially in November. doesn't rain, so you won't have to worry about the cold. I've heard Darlington thrown out, but for me, I would keep it at Auto Club because Darlington Jacob, in my opinion, needs to stick to one race. And that's the Southern 500. Don't do what they did before. Keep it to one. Keep the prestige. Cisco, 20 seconds. 20 seconds, and I'm going to be quick. I'm a purist. I think taking weather out of the equation, take it back to Atlanta. Ooh, yes, please. Yes, please. And for me, bring it home. Put it at Charlotte. That's my two cents. But it's too cold. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> it's too cold, November. 
<laughs> Whatever. Anyway, I, I I don't know that it would be too cold in November here. I Bad mean, we enough in October. Fine and fine. You you have your two cents. I'll have my two cents, and we'll close the show on that note. So thanks as always to Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, our social media partners at Three Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Susan Mason, and all the staff at PMN that help us make this show possible, keep us on the air each week. So for Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, Rents Brown, Steve Ovens, and all the rest of our staff, I'm Jacob Seaman reminding you to keep it tuned to RacechaserOnline.com for your motorsports, your way, and we'll see you right back here next week, 7 p.m. Eastern, till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.